Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word, your Son, is truth. Amen. Merry Christmas. I am thrilled this evening to bring to you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. There is born to you, to you, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. It's the message the angels told the shepherds, inviting them to come and see, come and see the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. Tonight I invite you to come and see the same Jesus wrapped in the swaddling cloths of his word. And then again tonight and tomorrow in Christ's mass. So let me ask you a question. What do you think about the Christ? I can ask you that, and, and I know you're going to tell me at least something like, he's the son of David, the promised Messiah. He's God's son and Mary's son, the one born in the city of David in Bethlehem, after all, you heard read in the swaddling clause of his word in Luke 2, Joseph also went out from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So what do you think about the Christ? Well, he's a king who is born for us this day, a savior who is Christ, the Messiah, and the Lord, that is God. I know you could recite any number of Christmas carols and hymns talking about the same thing, the same person, that Christ is both God and man. But it's not the sort of question that you pose to a dinner party or a group of friends, is it? What do you think about the Christ? I mean, you don't ask it outside of the context uh, or the confines of the church uh, or, or even in here today, right? I mean... In this day and age, it's, it's kind of a loaded question. Everyone has their own idea of who Christ is. Everyone has their own idea of who God is. Today, popular thought is that God transcends definition, uh, or like many other things, that God is, is seemingly meant to be redefined. Choose your own God. Choose your own idea or image of who God is. God can't be limited, can he? If we're honest... We really don't want others to know that we actually think something about this baby born in Bethlehem. 
I mean, it's hard enough managing, managing my own life and, and what other people think of me without having to worry about the life of Jesus and what other people think about him. Or, or maybe you're thinking too, well, Christmas is all fine and good, a, a nice, cute, sentimental story, something we tell ourselves around this time of year to, to make this time of year a little more bearable. I mean, just look at the weather. But how, and how much does it really matter anyway, 2,000 years post-fact? If Christ is simply some vague idea, then it really doesn't matter what we do with our lives, with how we spend our time. Uh, our epistle lesson from Titus makes no difference. It doesn't matter what we confess with our mouths. Our life becomes easy, but then it also becomes very self-centered if all I'm worried about is my own identity. And when the real problems start to hit, thanks to our own depravity and sinfulness, the darkness we have made for ourselves, if left with merely a vague idea of Christ, then Christ is not much help at all. But to know who this Messiah is will make all the difference in our lives. Because to not know him or, or see him for who he is is to actually not see ourselves for who we are. Now, I ask you this question because as Jesus himself was about to expound Psalm 110, this is the very question that he asked a group of people who, who, who didn't actually think that much of him. Now, sure, they believed in God, but they didn't actually think that God would, would limit himself in a person, let alone be, be Jesus which means, of course, that they didn't actually believe in God, even though they said they believed in God, because they didn't really care what God said about himself. They refused to believe in the incarnation, that, 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 that God would become man. God did not fit their conceptions or notions of who God was supposed to be, which is ironic considering the incarnation is all about God limiting himself. So their belief was more of a status than faith. They, they cared more what people thought of them than about God. Jesus asked the Pharisees in Matthew 22, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they responded correctly, the son of David. Jesus had, had given them a softball question, uh, or maybe a Sunday school question. Any Jew who attended, uh, attended Sabbath worship somewhat regularly knew the answer. God promised through the prophets that the Messiah would come from the house and line of David, that one of his sons would reign forever. Now, this is why it's significant, as we heard in Advent, that the crowds welcomed Jesus as the son of David when he entered Jerusalem on a donkey. They were calling Jesus the promised Messiah, or Christ. And yet Jesus asked them a follow-up question, and his follow-up question to them is not a softball. He asked, how is it then in Psalm 110 that David, in the Spirit, calls his son his Lord, saying, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. King David, the King David, uh, the king of whom the angels reference to the shepherd saying the Messiah was born in his city once in royal David's city. King David writes to us in Psalm 110, 
about this very Lord and Savior over a thousand years before his miraculous birth. The Lord said to my Lord? Well, now think about this. Who is David's Lord? Who is the person that God is talking to? David is the king. David's the most powerful, militarily strongest leader in Israel's entire history. There is no one stronger than David. There is no one above David. David has no Lord besides. David is the only person in the Bible that the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. The first Lord here is, is God the Father Almighty. But God the Father is speaking to some other person who is Lord over David. But it's David's son. And this Lord sits at the very right hand of God Almighty. He sits as ruler over all things in a position reserved only for the firstborn son. Only the firstborn son would have the right of the kingdom, of the authority, of the inheritance, would be able to, to sit in power and authority at the right hand. And here we see that he has all things under his feet. There is nothing that is not in his control. He is a king who existed eternally before David. And he's more than a king. The next thing David tells us is that the Lord has sworn about this, Lord. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. This is a kind of a deep cut, but we hear it in the psalm every Christmas, and it's awesome. Melchizedek is this mysterious man who, who shows up a thousand years before David in Genesis 14 where he literally comes out of nowhere to meet Abraham, the patriarch Abraham, in a place called the King's Valley. Melchizedek there is called the King of Salem, or that, that is the King of Shalom, King of Peace. And, you know, you can learn a lot about people in the Old Testament by their name. The name Melchizedek means King of Righteousness. So do you see? Melchizedek is the king of peace and the king of righteousness. And he's not only a king, but he's also called a priest, the priest of God Most High. Now, this is interesting because the priesthood would, be, would not be instituted by God for another couple hundred years and then through the Levites. By Moses, the Levite priests were commanded to offer blood sacrifices, but, but priest Melchizedek offers something different. As Abraham and his men are, are completely exhausted from battle, Melchizedek comes to Abraham, blesses him, and brings him and his exhausted men a gift. A gift of bread and wine. Melchizedek's origins are shrouded in mystery. Biblical scholars of every age have, have tried to figure out who he is or where he comes from. Luther thought that he might be Shem or, or one of the patriarchs. Some have even thought that he is the pre-incarnate Christ himself. That is, a, a physical appearance of Christ before his incarnation as a baby in Bethlehem. At the very least, the writer of the Hebrews summarizes, Melchizedek is without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God. So while it may be unclear who exactly Melchizedek 
is or was. What Melchizedek does is clarify who David's son and David's Lord is. David's son and David's Lord has neither beginning of days nor end of days. He is without beginning and without end. He's eternal, yet born in time. He's the king of kings. He's the king of peace and the king of righteousness, risen. He's the son of righteousness, risen with healing in his wings. Righteousness is, is only from heaven, and peace is on earth, and they meet in the person of Jesus. That's what the angels are singing, peace to men on earth. And this is not merely a, a pious, hopeful wish that, that someday, somehow, there will be peace between people on earth. It's rather that sinners are made holy and righteous by the righteous and holy God taking on their, on our flesh and blood. By David's Lord becoming David's son. By Mary's Lord becoming Mary's son. By your Lord becoming, yes, even your son. He is born to you this day in the city of David, to you. He is your son by faith. Righteousness is born in our image so that we may be born again in his image. And so by taking on our flesh and blood, by being born of the earth, Jesus brings peace to the earth. This is greater than, than, than the peace that any king could win greater than the peace won by David, greater than the peace David could even imagine. Jesus brings us peace with God. David's son is the ultimate king, the king of kings, the conqueror to open to us the gates of paradise, the kingdom of heaven. And he's the, the, the priest of priests. He doesn't offer animal sacrifices like the Levite priests, but he offers himself. And like Melchizedek, he brings us something better, something to refresh us who are exhausted from our battles. He brings us not only bread and wine, but bread and wine united with his flesh and blood, the same flesh and blood that was born of Mary. And this is what Christmas is all about. It's even in the name, Christ's Mass. That, that 2,000 years removed from that day in Bethlehem, no different than Melchizedek, 2,000 years removed, in bread and wine, our king of righteousness and our king of peace comes to us. So again, what do you think about the Christ? Well, those like the Pharisees who would rather not consider who he is or, or think that a child in a manger is too wimpy of an image for their status, or that Christ found in, in bread and wine is, is too foolish, too humble, not worthy of their time, then they make themselves, as David says, a footstool for Jesus. Even the enemies of God, who want no part with him, will be seen exalting the Messiah up in glory. As Mary, the mother of God, would sing in her Magnificat, he has put down the mighty from their seats. And yet he's exalted those of low degree. And so, if on the other hand,
David's son and David's Lord. The babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger is for you both your son and your Lord. Then you and I, who were not after God's own heart, who have no royal blood, who have no business being in a palace and are nowhere near being kings, we who are and were enemies of God now become his brothers, his literal, physical, blood brothers. That's how much God thinks of us, that he becomes our brother. He's come to take on our lowly flesh, to exalt it, to lift it up. As Titus says, to, to purify for himself a people who are his own chosen people. To make us sons, to make us kings, to make us priests and heirs according to the promise of everlasting life. So in this age of, of mass identity crisis and of redefining, to have a clear picture of who Christ is, our Messiah, is actually to have a clear picture of who we are. What we are, he became, so that what he is, we become. As we sing in the hymn, Hail the heavenly Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he leaves his throne on high, born that man no more may die born to raise the sons of earth, born to give us second birth. So like the shepherds, upon believing the words of the angels, we come and see who is born to us this day in the city of David, who is Christ, our Lord, both David's son and David's Lord, our son and our Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. In Jesus' name, amen.